Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I am very excited today to have Dr. Melissa Bird with us. She is the CEO of Natural Born Rebel, which I just love the name of that. And I'm going to let you tell everybody more about yourself and um, what you do in the world. And of course, the in the show notes, we'll have how everybody can connect with you. But I love this idea of being a rebel, I will say, as a, you know, born and raised people pleaser, <laughs> a rebel, I was not, I was following all the rules, doing all the things, such a good, I mean, people used to tease me when I was a teenager about being a goody two shoes, but I will say I grew in to being a rebel. And by the time I was about, you know, 35 to 40, like in there, I started to sprout my rebel wings. And for me, and I have no idea, because as always, these podcasts are unscripted. So we haven't planned any of this, but I say now that I think rebellion is a really healthy step mm -hmm. towards finding your truth. Mm -hmm. Because especially mm -hmm. if you're a little rule, you know, obeyer, people pleaser, a lot of times you have, it's sort of like swinging the pendulum, you know, like you've got to swing out to a sort of just like, fuck it, you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> Before you can figure out or even begin to get to know who you are in that middle ground or something, you know, and some things I'm still in the fuck it category with. So anyway, that being said, Melissa, please tell us about yourself, your journey and um, what you brought you to creating a company called Natural Born Rebel. Thank you so much, Brenda, for having me. It's so nice to see you. Um, I'm Dr. Melissa Bird. I am a life coach, a clairvoyant, a healer, a prophet, a preacher, a mom. Um, I'm all the things. Uh, I the clairvoyant. I'm going to have to ask you more about that and the prophet piece, but keep going. <laughs> well, basically, I channel dead people. Part. So there it is. Part, you know, but I just talk to spirit guides all the okay. time. Okay. Um, cool especially my coaching. So there's, you can't get away with anything when you're coaching with me. Ha. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I uh, live in the lovely and fabulous Corvallis, Oregon, where it is beautifully raining. Thank God we needed the rain so bad. We've been in such a terrible drought this year. And I started my business four years ago and I started my business actually as Bird Girl Industries. And I was like, I am my own industry. Ha ha. Right. Uh And so, um, (laughs) but, but I was like, I was trying to do what I was trying to please the people. So I was trying to coach the way everybody else coached. And I was trying to do like the sales funnel, the way everybody else did it. And and I was like trying to please the the people. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you can tell Brenda, but I'm not a people pleaser. No. So I'm more like, uh, like I've always been a rebel. Okay. So I have always been rebellious. Um, Uh, although I did get in the trap of trying to please my grandparents and my aunt and the people who were really important to me because I wanted them to be proud of me. That was always my biggest struggle is I always wanted people to be really, really proud of me, but I still had this like angsty, you know, rebellious thing about me. So I started my business and, (laughs) and my coach, my coach was like the, you this is not you. And I was like, well, what, who do you want me to be? And she's like, well, who are you? And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because then I won't get any clients because people won't like me. And she's like, well, that's crap. That's bullshit. And I was like, okay. And so I like had this struggle. Well, then this woman who I had met on a retreat in Scotland, I didn't know her very well. Okay. Randomly calls my cell phone one day while I'm in a lift I, I was teaching in San Bernardino, California, and I was in a lift on my way to the airport to fly back home here to Oregon. I used to, I have a PhD, right? So yeah. I was teaching and I get this random phone call from this woman and she says to me, Brenda, so do you have a piece of paper and a pen? Because we need you to change your business to natural born rebel. I've already bought you the URL. I'll transfer it over to you later. Here are the elements you need to put in your book that's called Natural Born Rebel, and you need to offer it up on your website for free. And here's all the things that go into it. And then we need you to start this thing called Rebel School. And here are the components for Rebel School. And I need you to just add to these things, but these are the foundation. I love you so much. I got to go. Bye. And I was like... Whoa. I mean, I'm crying. I'm covered in the chills. The Lyft driver goes, does that happen to you often? And I was like, no, not really. And he's like, I really think you should listen to her. Those were some great ideas. And he goes, are you a rebel? Are you a natural born rebel? And I was like, I am. And he goes, I got that vibe from you, but I was just going to ask. So anyway, long story short, I get on the plane. The whole book just falls out of me. The whole outline for the book, everything that's in the book just tumbled out of me in that plane ride. I get home. I sit down with this piece of paper that talks about what is in rebel school. I outline rebel school. I call a web designer. I'm like, Hey, can you completely reband my whole entire life? She's like, yeah, sure. No problem. problem. So I get new headshots. I completely rebrand myself. And so when you go to my website, that is the rebellion that, that is just falling all over the place. Uh-huh. So, um, and the book is great. I love my book. So To me, rebellion is not just because I'm like the sex, drugs and rock and roll rebel, right? right? Like I'm, I, I'm, you know, a punk rock kid from the eighties, you know, whatever, just because I'm that person Mm -hmm. 
doesn't mean that I don't have these elements of people pleasing within me, right? I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want people to pay attention to me in a way that feels good and isn't abusive or crappy. Yeah. And, and I want to live my life to the fullest. And it is, it is the rebellion of embracing the entirety of who I am. Like I, I have embraced the entirety of who I am, not without struggle, mind you. I think some of the problem is that people look at me and they're like, oh, she must have always had it all together. No, like running a business. I have a PhD and a master's degree in social work. Like I do not have a background in business. I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time. Thank God I've learned how to surround myself with people who do, but you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a witch. I'm a preacher and a healer go together. Right. And so, and that was actually what Susan, my coach really wanted me to embrace was the fact that I was both Christian and a witch. And I was like, Ooh, you know what? The Christian, I'm not going to be able to preach anymore at church. And then the witches are going to be mad at me because I love Jesus and it's going to be terrible. And she's like, girl, you just got to go all the way in. And I'm so glad I did Brenda. Yeah. Because now I get to heal and help and do magic and do all this amazing stuff. And yes. it's awesome. So before we go, so I have <laughs> more I want to go into about the rebellion thing, but I, I want to stop right there because I want you to tell us what that was kind of like. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's running through my head. Okay. Mm-hmm. is that for those of us who identify as people pleasers, there is that whole feel like I used to feel like if people saw who I really am, they would, you know, fill in the blank kind of depending on the person, but it was never, yeah. good. it was never. No. Good, okay. Yeah. And so I think you're right. I think when, cause I, people ask me the same kind of thing. I think when uh, we're, one, we've healed some of these wounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm in a better place, a more evolved place with all of this than I was 10 years ago, even five or two years ago. Okay. So, you know, let's acknowledge the journey, but when you're starting out in the journey, it does seem like, well, she must have just always been able to do that. That must have always been because you don't get where I'm at. Like, no, my, my thing, like, this is really bad, you know, or whatever I, it would be risking too much, or it would be, you know, um, whatever, because catastrophe in some way or another, if I were to really let the world see, Mm -hmm. or maybe the world is easier sometimes than my loved ones, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who I all the entirety. Yeah of who I am. And so I imagine uh, that that journey probably cost you some people. I know it cost me some people, uh, Mm -hmm. but I would love for you to just tell people a little bit more about how you got from or what that journey was from here to there, you know, and the little, maybe a little price that you paid, but then also the freedom of it right because i think yeah freedom of not having to suppress the parts of ourselves that we're suppressing is so 
I, I look at it this way. I actually don't feel like I've paid a price. Okay. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because everyone who was like, I can't handle this. Yes. Was toxic in one way or another to me being able to move forward in my own life. Yes. And the people who authentically and genuinely love me for yes. the entirety of who I am. Yes. They're here. Yeah, they're like rocking and rolling with me. Like they're totally they're in yes. it to win it. And yes. and I I mean, I won't lie. Like my family members are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yes. I'm just being me. And they're like, oh, we can't handle you. I'm like, yes. OK, that's fine. You couldn't handle me when I was 17 either. So it's totally cool. Like we're just we're just really clear that that's just how it is. And and so I but I I still don't believe I've paid a price because my life is so amazing. I mean, like I, I, there's no other word to describe yes. what I experience on a daily basis in my work and in my life and with my family and with my friends, like my life is awesome. Yes. And, and it's not without its challenges. Like yeah. I had this whole visceral reaction where like my husband was like, you need to really talk about these things and speak out. And I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to die. Like, I'm afraid someone's going to kill me for saying these things. And he's like, listen, we'll just get you a bullhorn and we'll totally punk rock it out and put like nails on the outside of it. So you can use it also as a weapon. I was like, great, that'll work. Like, that's fine. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) thanks, honey. That's really sweet. You're so nice. So like, I'm not going to say it's not without its challenges, but I truly, if I look at my life, like if, if, if I were going to die today, like if I'm just going to walk out of here and that'd be that, I can honestly say that I would look back at this and be like, fuck yeah, kid. You totally did yes. it. Like you totally nailed it. And, yes. and it didn't matter if people liked me or not, because it doesn't, the people who like me are my people. They love me. They appreciate me. They honor me. They think I'm amazing. And they tell me so the people who are not my people, they get to go find their people. Yes. So here's something I really want the audience to get from what you just said. And of course, I'm rethinking the words I chose to even ask you that question. But in hindsight, I'm so glad I did ask it that way. Yeah, they're actually so that's what we imagine when we're caught in what other people are thinking and, you know, feeling about us. We feel like to be our authentic selves will be a terrible price. And the truth is, it's not. Like, even if it costs you, like it costs me a marriage. I don't have a, you know, Norman Rockwell painting picture of me and my hubby, my high school sweetheart and our four kids. And our, I don't have that. So listen, it's cost me four marriages. So it's totally okay. Okay. I'm like Grace Taylor. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) like that's a word that in our culture is a way of describing that it's a price I paid. It's a cost, whatever, but I am a hundred percent with you that the truth is I I would pay that price every day of the week to live in the authenticity and the personal power that only comes when you're living authentically. Like you just can't be in your own power and not be authentic. Those two are inseparable. And so I would never go back or ever, you know, I wouldn't give up a moment of where I am 
because where I am is in the joy and in the love. I mean, right. Because you're right. The people in my, yeah, some people are not in my life anymore, but the people who are in my life love me for who I am and what I am. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's so liberating. It's so liberating. And so I think what you're really imagination I, that we're it's going to be some horrible catastrophe and we're going to be crying alone under a bridge or something is not true, <laughs> but it's real. And so I don't want to discount that fear either, yeah. because I think that fear is really, really important for people. Like, I don't want to discount the courage that it takes yes. to be like, you know what? I am just not going to worry about how you feel yes. about whether or not I am making you lunch today. But I'm just yeah. not going to worry about it. And yeah. that takes so much courage. And by the way, mm-hmm. it is it is the mundane shit that we start engaging in people-pleasing behavior with. It is not some big giant, I want to go to Europe. I want to disrupt my job and get a new job. It is not big. I want to get divorced. I want to get married. I want to have babies. I don't want to have babies. Like, listen, it's not big stuff that, that makes us afraid. It's the little tiny things like, Mm -hmm. well, I am afraid that if I don't make three meals a day for my kids, they won't be happy with me. Yes. I am afraid that if I don't have sex with my husband, even when I don't want to, he won't be happy with me. I'm afraid that if I tell people what brings me the most joy and it's kind of kinky and not, not very acceptable that I will be rejected. Like, it's like, I'm afraid that if I tell people I stole a library book in 1983, that they will think I'm a terrible person. It's little tiny stuff that gets us, that builds that fear and makes that fear bigger and bigger bigger and bigger. So that we stop listening to our intuition. We stop tapping into spirit. We quit listening to the calling on our heart because we're so afraid that if we don't perform Mm -hmm. the way society tells us is acceptable to perform. Mm -hmm. Hello, internalized misogyny. Yes. Then we will lose our lives because that is what we have been told by the patriarchy to keep us in our place. Yes. I heard uh, Michael uh, Bernard Beckwith, who I happen to love, he was saying in a sermon the other, a couple of weeks ago, that the great fear of women because of the ancestral, you know, um, pain and traumas that have been mm-hmm. inherited was kind of the context of that, um, mm-hmm. that if we speak our truth, we will be burned at the stake. But I also think that this for people pleasing men, mm-hmm. for men who think that they cannot cry, they yeah. cannot feel, they cannot be compassionate. They cannot be kind. I actually, I mean, I'm married to a two-time war veteran with PTSD. Like if you want to like see the patriarchy in its fullest form, just come on over and say hi to Jim. Yeah. But I had a friend one day say to me, I was bitching, right? I was complaining about the patriarchy. I was complaining about misogyny. I was complaining about these things. And I was talking about Jim in that context. And she's like, have you ever thought about how the patriarchy actually affects Jim? Yeah. And I was like, I mean, Brenda, I was like, I had to stop walking. We were hiking. I was like, Uh, no, 
No. Like legit, no. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's like, you're raising a little boy. Like, yes. you're not just raising two daughters, but you're raising a son. She's like, yes. maybe you ought to start thinking about how the patriarchy plays on them. And I was like, oh, this is bananas. Like, I was like, I don't even yes. know what to do with this information. Like, here I am, like all on my soapbox about feminism yes. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm all, whoa. Yes. And so well, I also yeah. think when we talk about women as people pleasers, women as, as these things, we also have to think about what men are giving up. And yes, they are giving up something in order to maintain those normative roles of us being here to please them. For sure. There's so many men that are people pleasers. It comes out, like it gets acted out a little differently because yep. they're, they have a different role in a different, you know, cultural yeah. place in society and because of patriarchy. But yeah, Michael's follow-up comment was for men who want to step out of that patriarchal role, their fear ancestrally is being crucified. And yeah. I just thought that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's really, we don't think of that. And you can hear me say that and think, oh, that's so silly. Nobody's getting burned at the stake anymore, or crucified. But sure, they are. That is the feeling of I'm going to die. Like, but we are getting burned at the stake. We are. I mean, if you are. just look at Instagram for more than 24 hours, you can see that we are getting burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. And you can see that men are being crucified. The minute men speak out about sensitivity, they are yeah. lambasted online. The yeah. minute women talk about being strong, we get burned at the stake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like we are, I mean, we not, we may not be physically in the middle of that battle, but right. that's just because of manners. Yes. Yes. Yep. I it's mean, like, which also is, is a tool of the patriarchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It's just rude to burn people at the stake. It we just is. don't do it. We just don't do it. But so we, do we do it, it all ways. the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 So in the natural born, how do you apply um, the natural born rebel to those of us who don't necessarily think of ourselves that way? Well, so the, I love this question because I had one of my most favorite clients. Um, they were thinking about doing rebel school and, and we've known each other for a really long time. And she was like, I'm not really a rebel missy. Like I wasn't like you in high school. Like I didn't drink and smoke and have sex and do any of those things. And I was like, that in and of itself is a rebellion. Ooh, my goody two shoes. Uh huh. I was because yeah, yeah, which I is also a form of rebellion. Sex. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is also a form of rebellion. And so, mm -hmm. and I think that it's really important for us to really look at what the term rebel means. One of the things we unpack in rebel school is what are the messages you received about rebellion generationally from your grandparents and your aunts and uncles and your friends and your, you know, the people in your life, what did, what were the messages you gathered about what it means to engage in rebellion? And those messages are different depending on who in your life was giving you the message. Mm -hmm. And so every one of us actually has the capacity towards natural born rebellion. Jesus was the number one rebel on the planet. Like, you know, like we think of Sojourner Truth rebel, Mm -hmm. like, you know, anyone who dares to run for president is engaging in an act of rebellion. Like Mm -hmm. anyone who teaches, we're all rebels. It's in our nature to rebel against the status quo 
Mm. And it's just how we do it individually. Mm-hmm. And when we get caught up in people pleasing and we get caught up in doing things out of fear, like I said before, like there's a difference between your instinct telling you this might be a bad idea because you're going to die and that myth- mythological fear and terror that says don't get too big for your britches or don't play too small or don't be too fat or don't be too skinny or don't be too tall or don't be too short. Like we get all these messages We're damned if we do and damned if we don't. And yet every single one of us in one form of another engages in acts of rebellion just simply by being. Yeah, that's, you know what, you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way for myself in my early years. Like really, it was just a different flavor of rebellion. But I want to hit on what you just said there, because I think that that's the dynamic of understanding or self wisdom, self-discernment of when am I acting out of fear or not, not acting, you know, silencing myself is typically what people pleasers do, but, and others, because I'm afraid. Yep. And when am I doing it? When am I keeping my mouth shut? We'll just even stay with that, keeping my Mm -hmm. mouth shut because that is the wisest thing for me to do right now. Like, mm-hmm. though, you know, I always say it's not whether or not you keep your mouth shut. It's what made you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. So how do you uh, create those distinctions and help people find that? Because it's a very personal thing. Nobody can assign that to somebody else mm-hmm. um, to know the difference between those two kinds of fear. Well, I think it's I think it's really important for people to recognize the the discomfort right mm-hmm. so so when we are silenced or we self-select to silence mm-hmm. and we we've evaluated okay well i i'm doing this not because it's an actual valid response like i'm not in a situation where i could be physically hurt emotionally hurt sexually hurt because i'm speaking right mm-hmm. So self-selecting silence for self-preservation is not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a response that keeps us going a lot. It keeps right. us alive. Um, it's the same response, ironically, that keeps us from not getting eaten by saber tooth tigers and bears, right? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause if that's we're true. quiet mm-hmm. in the forest, yeah, nothing can hear us. Then we are, we are preserving life. Yeah. We just do it most often in, in really crappy situations with human beings. Right. Right. But the trick to finding your, to discerning between I am in trouble Mm -hmm. and I am self-selecting silence because I'm afraid of the unknown. I don't know what the response is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this person will still love me or if they won't still love me. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. The difference is when you're self-selecting silence or diminishing your shine, Mm-hmm. it's because you are afraid of what you can't control. Mm-hmm. It's not because you're in danger. It's because you're afraid of what you can't control. And when you self-select silence, because you don't know what the outcome is going to be, that is very different because guess what? None of us know what the outcome is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen when people listen to your podcast. I just like talking on podcasts and I like spreading this message because it makes me happy. Yeah. Cause this is my job. Like I fully yeah. embrace my voice and my job. 
right? My, when I work with my clients and they're like, I don't think I can say that. I'm like, well, what is the worst thing that could happen right. if you do say that or you do do that? And they're like, I can't think of anything. And I'm like, then we know that oh. you're on the right path to doing something. Yeah. Right. And if yeah. the worst thing that can happen is, you know, my partner will leave me, I'll lose my job. My kids will hate me, whatever that is. Then you work through that thought process mm-hmm. to get you to the point where you still use your voice anyway. Yes. Yes. And so I think that, you know, there are times where, and I know for myself having been in emotionally abusive relationships, there are times that keeping my mouth shut was safer for me, you know, like literally Mm -hmm. safer for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So there are scenarios that we can be in where that is true. And there were a whole lot of times that I silenced myself or diminished Mm -hmm. myself just because, yeah, I was afraid of not being liked or, you know, Mm -hmm. not upsetting somebody else. I mean, that was my big thing. Like as if it was my job to keep everyone happy, you know, and I think that's one of the most freeing things of breaking out of these patterns is to realize in truth I'm only responsible for myself. What a concept, right? Which means I'm only responsible for how I feel. Like your example of, you know, are my kids going to not like me because I don't make their lunches or three meals a day or whatever? It's so true. That's what we, that's what we're pondering. That's what we're imagining is that they're Mm -hmm. not going to like us. But in truth, my only responsibility is who I like and what I do and, you know, how I feel. And as soon as I start to get over there in, well, what are you, what are you thinking about me? Oh, like right now I could be so caught up in does doctor, cause she's a doctor. Did you know? I am that? a doctor. doctor. <laughs> does Dr. Melissa Bird think I'm a good podcast cast host? Hmm. Oh, I, and as soon as I start worrying about whether you think I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I am out of where I belong. My metaphor yep. for this is the sandbox. I'm out of my sandbox and I'm over in your sandbox trying to figure out or anticipate or do something. I'm going to ask the most intriguing questions. So she'll leave this interview and tell her husband, oh, you won't believe what a great host <laughs> friend it was. You know, so I can make fun with those things, but we all do stuff like that. And we get out of our own lives and get into other people's lives to try to either manage what they're thinking about us or feeling about us or how they're going to react in some way. Yeah. And the, the bottom line at the end of the day is, I mean, just look back at yourself. You never know how you're going to react. You don't No. you know, I was trying to have a whole lot of compassion for my 19 year old. And finally I just lost it on her. I was like, Jesus, stop it. Like, yeah. no, you're not going to do that. Like, yeah. stop it stop it. And she was like, uh, and I was like, I don't care if you're mad at me right now. You, that is not a choice you get to make. I don't care if you are not living under my roof anymore. That is not a choice you get to make. And she, yes. you know, I mean, but the thing, and Katie can go pout and do her thing and whatever, you yes. know, we'll be friends again tomorrow, but right. Right. Yeah. I, I still had to say what I needed to say to her because I had to say what I needed to say to her. Like, yes, how yeah. she reacts is not my problem. And 
you know, right. she's mad. So then that's, on her. that's the other thing I know. That's- and I had my own big learning curve on this, but the, we speak our truth. Tell me if you agree with this, which of course you don't have to. I feel like I speak my truth because I need to. Not because, and and really I'll even go so far as to say it's my job to, it's my job to speak my truth. If I don't speak it, nobody else is going to, it's no one else's truth. I don't do it to necessarily get an outcome. I may, I mean, get an outcome I want. I may, you may listen to me and agree with me or be like, oh yes, honey, I'll do the dishes tonight, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm Mm -hmm. doing it because it is a way of just showing up for myself and, you know, whatever my truth is in that situation, the point isn't, but it didn't help the relationship or it didn't, you know, my kids still didn't do what I wanted them to do, or my boss still fired me or, you know, whatever it's because we need to do it for ourselves because to not do it is to deny who we are. I think, I think to not do it. And, and for people like who are listening to this, who are like, well, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like start small. Yes. Because to not do it, it's not just to deny the truth of who you are. It's to deny your joy and to deny your actual, you know, it's to deny yourself feeling actual anger because what happens when we people please is that we just are frustrated all the time because nobody's listening. Yes. That's yes, what happens. Yes, yes. And so, so it's, it, you deny your authenticity. Yes. And who you are meant to be in this world when you, when you are diminishing your voice. And so I, the trick is to not just start speaking it all the time. The trick right. is to try it on tender little things like, yes. like, Oh, Hey, you know, it really frustrates me, you guys, when you don't clean up after yourselves and then I have to do it for you. Yeah. You know? I, I always tell my daughters because after they get their period, I figure they're old enough to like, they're not old enough to really have children, but I'm like, Oh, right. But, you know, yeah. you can technically reproduce. And yeah. I have been known to tell my 13 year old, you could technically be a mother. Yeah. And she like looks at me horrified, like you are crazy. And yeah. I'm like, and somehow you cannot put the dishes in the dishwasher. Right. So, you know, I just, it's frustrating for me. And, and she's like, oh, and so like, it's, it's, it's using your voice for the benign stuff. Yeah. That's not life altering. That gives you the training ground for yes. speaking your truth and using your voice yes. for the bigger stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. That's such a great point. Well, one other thing I want to ask you about before we wrap up here, this has been so good. I could go on forever, but tell me about your perspective on the role that resistance, because I think to me, now you can tell me what this is like for you. Resistance to me is a little different than fear. I think it can have fear in it. But unpack resistance a little bit, because I think it's very easy to just kind of have that wall up or that, not me, not today, (laughs) you know, just that. 
So talk to us a little bit about resistance. Well, I'm really glad you asked this question because what we resist persists. Ah, true. And so if we've got to learn that if we are resisting something, are we doing it because there's a reason to genuinely be terrified? Like, is there a reason to genuinely fear, right? Or are we doing it because we are resisting our true calling in the world? Like I was saying earlier, I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to tell people that I'm Christian and a witch. Like, I'm not going to say that. The resistance to me owning who I was and who I am, that resistance was purely out of fear and it wouldn't let go of me. Like I was afraid of people not liking me, literally. Like I was afraid they'd kick me out of church. Mm -hmm. I was afraid the witches wouldn't call me in the circle anymore. Like I was afraid of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and so the resistance, like when you identify that resistance, first of all, if it is your true calling, like if it is your true North, it's not going to let go of you. Yeah. If it's your purpose, it won't stop. Yeah. And it will just get worse and worse and louder and louder. And, you know, and then you need a good therapist and a good coach because like, (laughs) yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. But, but, but what I was really good at recognizing and what I see in my clients all the time is when you're pushing up against something and you're really forcing it, you're forcing the not doing it, right? Like you're resist, what we resist persists. So the more you resist your calling because you're afraid of some unknown outcome, Mm -hmm. the more you're going to be unhappy and you're just going to try and make everybody else around you happy because you're stinking miserable. And the minute you fall into your calling and your purpose, Mm -hmm. The minute you start doing that, things open up and whatever it was that you were afraid of dissipates, it actually goes away. Right. I was working with a client today and I was like, I was like, what are you so afraid of? And, and she's like, I'm never going to have any money to pay my bills. And I was like, okay, well, let's look at that. Is that true? Like if you really find your voice and fall into your purpose, are you really never going to have enough money to pay the bills? Said, you seem like a pretty competent person. So if all, you know, if all else fails, you could go work at the Starbucks or the McDonald's. Like, you don't, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like, and, and the, and I was like, you're not going to be living in a tent on the side of the five. Like you got some resources. Right. And, and her whole world view was like, Oh, I legitimately have been afraid I was going to end up homeless. And I'm like, well, you might, Mm -hmm. but the likelihood of that happening, having been formerly homeless as my husband also was like, not that high sis, you got resources. Yes. And so if we, if we keep resisting our purpose and our calling and we keep pushing up against it, it's just going to keep coming back and getting worse. Yes. Oh, I relate to that and resonate with that. So in so many ways, tell me the, flip side of that. What about the person who feels like they don't have a calling? They don't have, you know, a something they they're, they don't think they're resisting it. They think they don't have it. What's your take on that? Everybody has a calling. Yeah. The body is the vessel for the soul, the whole entire, that my Megan Watterson says that all the time. She's an author. She's amazing. Yes. yes I like uh, Megan Watterson says that all the time. The body is the vessel for the soul. The only reason we have a body is for the spirit to be here. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That is our only, and that means we have purpose. 
Now, here's what I will say to everybody who's like, I don't have a purpose. I don't have a calling. We are told that the most beautiful, most glorious, most precious callings are worthless. Yeah. And that is misogyny and that is patriarchy and that is systemic control. Yes. Because every single human being on this planet has a purpose. Yes. Every single one of us. Yes. And some of us, our purpose is to be a world leader. And some of us, our purpose is to be, you know, a preschool teacher. And for some of us, our purpose is to be a podcast host. Like we all have purpose. Yes. And some of us are meant to be bakers and moms and dads and laundry people. I mean, like we all have purpose. Exactly. There's not a hierarchy or, you know, whatever. But the patriarchy needs us to believe that there is. Yeah. Internalized misogyny needs us to think that there is a hierarchy and there just is not. And not just that. I think it needs it. The patriarchy is served and I'm using patriarchy, of course, as a system. Yeah. And while it's generally represented by a male, um, you know, idea. Oh, you know no, that- I think women are the worst. I think <laughs> women are the worst misogynists on the planet. That could be true too. I don't know. I'm with you on that. We won't. That's another another podcast, podcast. Brenda. That's (laughs) another podcast. That's another podcast. But it serves that system Mm -hmm. for us to not believe that we have a purpose. Yeah. Because if I don't believe I have a purpose or that my purpose is, you know, it's just small and it's not that important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, how much easier am I to control and manipulate and get to do whatever the hell you want me to do mm-hmm. when I am, because like you, I am just so compelled to my current mission purpose in life. And I feel like I've had several purposes, but the one I'm living now, the wild horses cannot keep me away from it. Mm-hmm. So it is in that regard, disruptive. Just because I'm not going to let somebody go, oh, Brenda, you shouldn't really be talking about that, right? Yeah. And I love that you said you've had multiple purposes. Like, listen, Dr. Melissa Bird, PhD, CEO of Natural Born Rebel, like totally different purpose than I had even five years ago when I was getting my PhD like that. I had a different purpose then. And then before that, I was a stay at home mom for three lovely children. And, And before that, I was the flipping vice president of public policy for Planned Parenthood of Utah and the chief lobbyist for the entire country representing Utah. Like, I mean, I've been a lot of things. And that's the other thing I think people pleasers, when you're breaking out of that people pleasing cycle is that you think you've got to know what the hell it is and that it's never going to change. Right. Yes. And, and I go back to my history teacher, Mr. Crinkle, John Mark Crinkle. I go back to him saying, you're going to change your major at least five to seven times. And I was like, not me, Mr. Crinkle. I know exactly what I'm here to do. And I was majoring in cultural anthropology at the time. Listen, I changed my major like 10 times before I finally ended up graduating with a bachelor's degree, like eight years later, like no idea what I was doing. And so As you are thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I really can find my voice and break out of people pleasing. Just remember, it's going to change over time. Yes. 
Yes. We are not static human beings that are meant no. to be one thing. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it is, I love how you encourage people to start with the mundane because all of that little stuff, I do that all the time with clients, whether it's finding their desires, I'll be like, so go find your favorite cocktail napkin or go find your fit. Like, let it be something really lame, right? But just start noticing, because again, that's what we're cultured into, is to not notice what we love and to focus what we love on what other people would, you know, like or what they love, whatever. So it is changing that. I always say, so my thing on people pleasing is it's just a habit. It's there's nothing wrong with you and you don't have to fix anything. It's just a habit of turning energy that should be turned towards yourself onto other people. Mm-hmm. And so instead of spending my time thinking, what do those other people think? What do they need? How can I take care of them? How, what could I do to bring them joy? All I need to do is turn that to myself, ask myself those questions. Mm-hmm. And then like you were saying at the beginning of our time, so full circle always feels good. I find my people because if you don't like who I am when I'm loving on myself and bringing myself joy. Well, you're just not my person. Yeah. You know, but there's plenty of people who are, Mm -hmm. and they will find you as soon as you become who it is you truly are, because Mm -hmm. they're going to be so attracted to that. And that's when we really get the double edged uh, benefit of what may sound selfish. I know it did to me when I first started and I have clients that feel that way. Oh, if I just think about myself and I just take care of myself, like it all felt so selfish to me, but it's the place where true giving and true generosity comes Mm -hmm. from because then I'm giving to use a biblical example from a full cup, from a cup that Mm -hmm. runneth over instead of my depleted one when I was doing for all these other people and not taking care of myself. Yeah. And we are really meant to be here in service of ourselves first Mm -hmm. and other people second. Because the other, I'm not going to say I'm God or anything, because that would be silly. Uh, But I think that's the formula, right? We just got it back ass words because when I am really serving myself, others will be served. I mean, it it can't not happen. Others get served because naturally, because Mm -hmm. we have that spirit in us Mm -hmm. and the spirit is a giver. And so the closer we get, you know, the more we shed these habits that don't serve us, the, I'm not sure that's the word I like. You might have a better word, but anyway, closer we get to spirit, the the less separation we feel Mm -hmm. and spirit is pure love and generosity. So how can I be anything else? Yeah. I mean, if, if God spirit, the universe, whatever you want to call it, if God is love and we are made in that image, yeah, then we are love and yeah. that's it. And that's that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. It's all these other structures. Yeah. It's the structure. That tell that. us mm-hmm. that that's not it, but actually that's that if, if the universe is love and expansion and yeah. all these things, then so that's are we. we are. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Well, beautiful. There's no better place to wrap up than that. Any final uh, thoughts or uh, wisdom or seeings that you want to lay on us here today? 
Yeah. The last thing I want to say is that I, so my, I have this really favorite, my favorite quote is from Eleanor Roosevelt and it's do one thing every day that scares you. Mm -hmm. And in my life, when I found that quote and Mm -hmm. I really started to live it and Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about jumping out of an airplane or like, you know, hiking the Grand Canyon rim to rim. I'm not talking about that. Mm-hmm. do one thing every day that scares you and you will start to learn mm-hmm. that it's okay yes. to take care of yourself and find your voice. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, folks, of course, check out the show notes because you will get, we'll have the link in there for people to get your book. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have your website and all that good stuff so that people can stay in touch with you and reach out to you. So Dr. Melissa Bird, thank you. It was such thank a you, to spend this time with you. And um, I just really want to express my gratitude for you taking your time to be with us. Thank you. It was beautiful. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. You are in the right place at the right time because I have a special offer for you right now. It is the digital program of my coaching process, the Solve It Method. So whether I talked about the Solve It Method in this episode or not, It is a super powerful process that I use with myself and with clients to solve whatever issues are coming up for them. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not. I haven't found the thing with my life or clients that this process hasn't worked on. And yet it's very straightforward and sort of simple uh, in, in concept. So it's an easy thing for me to teach you through a digital program. And then there's gonna be worksheets so that you can work on integrating it and applying it in your life. It works with work, career, entrepreneurial business problems. I've helped clients with that. I've used it myself on that. Our issues with our moms and dads, you know, those sort of original family issues. I've used it for that. Romance, just personal growth, like, when you've lost sight of what your dreams are maybe the pandemic has sort of put you in a reset but you're not sure where to go now you know maybe you're anxious or angry all these kinds of things are problems that i have used the solve it method on again for myself and with clients so i know this works so here's what i've got right now there's an introductory price on the program you can get just the digital program you'll get all the videos it's five modules worksheets lots of great stuff to sort of work on it yourself do it in a you know do it yourself sort of format but here's the other thing i've added a mastery level uh component to it so when you go to the link here in the show notes and go to the details page of the solvent method digital program you're going to see a mastery level option and in that you're going to add three coaching sessions one-on-one with me to your digital program i've discounted that even steeper right now as an introductory offer so that's like 200 dollars off of what it would cost you to buy those two things separately so go check it out take advantage of it now before the holidays hit this is going to help you navigate the holidays and start the new year from such a more empowered place, I promise you, you will not regret it. So 
Check out the show notes to get the link and go look at all the information for the solvent method and sign up for it because this is going to be like having a coach in your back pocket that you can go to anytime you get to keep it forever and will help you with any issue that comes up in your life. So I'm Brenda Florida. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Earth.